Craft Beer Radio, episode 251, on April, no, June 1st. June 1st, yeah. 2013. Couple months away. This is our, this is going to be more or less our 8th anniversary show. Eight years of Craft Beer Radio coming at you right into your ears. That's right. We got some sexy music playing here. What is this? Breezin. Breezin. So it's a, it's a big thing, you know. We got the, the eighth anniversary. We got the two fifty one, which is a prime number show. We're a bit celebrating. Uh, we got some good beers on. The great picked up at Vinge Estates and Chalet Premier over in Ohio, and we have a guest. We have Rex Park, who lives in Mad Dog's house down the street. He doesn't like that, I'm sure. It's been his house for like almost five years now. But uh, it's to my heart, it's always going to be Matt Dog's house. So so Rex is a beer guy. He is a home brewer. He is an insane home brewer. He brews things that I tell him it ain't going to work. And guess what? He makes them work. Um, tonight we had... Hit. Do you want to talk about your beer tonight? Because it, it might be actually... Oh, yeah. might, well, it might actually be one. intellectual property. <laughs> and, and because it's if great. you're ever going to like open a brew pub, this is kind of like uncharted territory. I don't know if I'd call it quite uncharted, but uh, I don't know of anyone who's making one quite just like it. Um, uh, earlier this afternoon, I uh, gave Jeff and, and Greg an, an early sample of what I'm calling an India Pale Cider. Uh, it's kind of an imperial cider, but heavily hopped with both uh, Noble and West Coast American hops. Um, Jeff, what did you think? It was interesting. The first sip was a little bit bracing because you were having a fair amount of bitterness paired with apple acidity. And, and my first sip, I'm like, I can see why this isn't a style. But actually, after a couple of sips, I got calibrated to the, the bitter plus acid and bright hop flavor. He, you added some honey to it. It, it. it was a very... Good beer. I, I came into it blind. Uh, I didn't know what it was other than Greg sipped this. And it tasted, and it was obvious I could taste the hoppiness. But it, it tasted like uh, a very interesting, beautifully done adjunct beer of some sort with, with uh, tropical fruits I, added or ginger or something. I just took the last sip of some. Actually, I still had some here. And you know what it, you know what it might be closest to? is like one of those... It, IPA slash whip ears. No, that's kind of like reminding me of some of those that I've had. But, but uh, I, I would not have been able to tell. I mean, usually I can pick out a cider. I had no idea. Be probably because of the way it was hot, you know, all the things that were in it, I would not have guessed cider in a million years. And it was, so, so you know, coming onto it blind, it was really, really quite interesting and good. And I think that people who are interested in something like I said, a little, little tropical of some of those you know, estuary compounds, it, it would go over really well. A little bit later, we're going to be trying one of your... I just turned up the monitoring, the, lab, the okay. levels are the okay. same thing, but I sounded a little... I thought the levels were a little low, but that was too much. It's very, very, very sensitive. Hot mic, hot mic. A little bit later, we're going to be doing a mesquite-smoked ghost pepper beer that you did. So that, that was another interesting one. That right. So not only is this a there's a celebration for for good reason. It's a anniversary. It's a prime number. There's good stuff happening to all of us. But this is also the last probably regular show we're going to be doing for three weeks. Okay. Next week, I'm busy. The week after that will be at Saver. So yeah, we got a show in the can. I'll put that up next week, yeah. and uh, we can do it from there. Awesome. So where do you want to start, Greg? Since you are the 
the uh, so, Somogate tonight. Yeah, I went. I, I went on a trip, uh, an hour, uh, an hour and a half or so to get to go to VE and back, and I got a whole bunch of beers, some new, some that I know are good. You got a pretty good selection this yes. time. I think that probably the one that's going to be the most uh, interesting, sort of, and and may have the the stuff that we want to go for first is the Harvest Ale. You serious? I don't want to save that one for later. I mean, you're okay, in charge. Well, no, you, you, you tell me what you want. All right. Uh, let's do the McKellar, since we don't really know what we're going with the McKellar. It's a friend, it's a friend Bose. I mean, it's uh, a... It's raspberries? <laughs> okay, so the Ordo Calabasa. Okay, that, was, that would be my second choice. So, Jolly Pumpkin makes a beer called Oro de Calabaza, which means Oro de Pumpkin. I like my translation yeah, there. Artisan Gold Nail... Ale aged in oak barrels, barrel aged and bottle conditioned. Eight percent. The last time we had this, we were stunned by how amazing it was. Okay. So the marketing speak on the side, aged in large oak casks and refermented the bottle or de calabaza is brewed in Franco-Belgian tradition of special golden ales, spicy, peppery, with a gentle hot bouquet. And a beguiling influence of wild yeast. Yes, every single Jolly Pumpkin is aged in... It's aged and spontaneously fermented in oak barrels. So they all have unique wild characteristics. And they are... This one we had... Remember we had a small bottle? Right, yeah. This is a big boy. Yeah. This is like 25 ounces right here. Jeff is now Gregory. Le Bon Sanc de Calabasa. I don't know what that means. 25 ounces of pumpkin. Pumpkin and gold. 25. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so there's... In the aroma, there's obviously sort of a tannic aroma, a little bit of uh, wine... A white wine esters, fruit, some peach, and uh, maybe even a little pineapple. Yeah, yeah, definitely the pineapple. I'm also getting some pretty ripe pear, big fruity. It, it's 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 a wonder to smell. I mean, this is kind of yeah. it's not quite your air freshener beer, but it it's definitely your your winey delicious sniffer. The color is a bright straw color. With about a eh, half a finger's worth of a lightly aerated head. Fuzzy, fuzzy, I mean, clarity, I'm going to call fuzzy. Yeah. Instead of cloudy, I'm going to call it fuzzy for some reason. I just hold up the light, it looks more fuzzy than cloudy. You can use your imagination to figure out what exactly that means. Picking up a slight bit of Brett Funk on your Yeah, I mean, the nose, other than the fruitiness, is a Brett. You're definitely getting a little bit of that. Not quite leathery, but a little bit straw-like, a little bit um, earthy. A wet saddle, you know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's something leathery to it. Chime in whenever you want, Rex. Better wet saddle than wet chaps. <laughs> Depends which part of the and, chaps you're talking about. Right, and and honestly, for something that... Uh, postures itself as a pumpkin-y beer. It really doesn't oh, have it's not a particularly... Oh, uh, Jolly Pumpkin, the calabaza, the, uh, the, they always 
work in the pumpkin name. Okay, good. No, no, because, it's not a, it's not because a really there's there's really nothing of the Gord family in it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it was all it was a stack of Allie's artwork. Right. <laughs> was a, no uh, big deal. An avalanche of artwork. Hmm. Yeah, it's just the so they're from Dexter, Michigan, this is a brewery, and they're called Jolly Pumpkin, but I don't know if they have a pumpkin beer at all, actually. Yeah, yeah, they probably do, but barrel aging. They do American right. Wilds and things like that. They do some yeah. spontaneous fermented, but their barrels have a very Jolly Pumpkin character. Right. They have some that are blended, some that are single barrel. They have reserves. I mean, they do some pretty crazy stuff. And a little bit later, we'll be doing one of Greg's favorites, the Beard of Mars. Every time Greg gets his hands on this beer, he picks up a bottle. I nice. actually, to, to, to be honest, I bought three bottles. <laughs> one for the show. He only brought one up to One me. for me, and one because I want to introduce my parents. Now, this is interesting. The stick, oh, we'll get to this later, but you see the sticker on the back? Blend 2, February 28th. So it's not just a batch or anything. It's a particular blending of it. Right. So if you could you know, like blend one, two, three, mm. four, and five, yeah. it would be very fascinating to, to yeah. talk but you have to, the beard of Mars. Is there anything on the back of it? There is definitely a batch number. At you'd least almost have to talk to uh, batch uh, eleven eighty three on uh, March eighteenth. Was the It was uh, a very good week. It'd be great to talk to Ron Jeffries about blends. Yeah. Like with, if they put blend on the batch label, that's the kind of thing where you want to talk to Ron and say like, "Hey, what's the story behind blend two or or whatnot?" Unfortunately, we don't have Ron on the line tonight. If we had our act together, if we only had a production assistant. For a beer that talks about its uh, oak barrel aging, it's the oak is not particularly intrusive. Think dirty barrel. I mean, think barrel right. that's already yeah. been inoculated with the the jolly pumpkin esque with right. Brett and whatnot. I mean, that's what you're tasting, right? You're yeah, tasting they're they're not going for oak. The, right. It's it, it's hard to find John Pumpkin, I think, where, where they really want a pronounced oak. They, just, they want the characteristics that come from the barrel aging, but not the woody stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's almost a the differentiation bun. between oak aged and yeah. old barrel aged. Yeah. Right? Because old barrels take on a life of their own. They have a microflora in there that, and barrels will change. You know, Jolly Pumpkin and other brewers, I mean, you got New Belgium, they have these huge floaters, these giant barrels that are. 12 feet tall, right, and 12 feet in diameter, and they have ones, they have marks on them, they have hearts on them, the ones that have the right mix of bugs in there to make awesome beer, and they have other ones that don't, that don't make awesome beer, and they'll blend those together to make the beers they produce, you know, wildly, and then, or, you know, wildly, you know, widely, and then, you know, every once in a while they may put out a awesome, like a a brewer's reserve that is only from the heart barrels or they might do but they also they basically make two origin beers they make oscar and felix the odd couple and they'll blend those together to make a lawfully but also a lot of lips of faith also come from those two source beers and other kinds of aging things like that so like with this beer jolly pumpkin is going to have a huge barrel room some barrels have hearts on them some barrels don't but they're not crap. They don't, you know, the crap barrels they'll throw out, they'll turn them into planters or something like that. But, you know, there are going to be barrels that are awesome. There's going to be barrels that are not so awesome. And they blend them together to make this beer. This has, it, it, it's funny because it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Rex's cider in that there, there's a lot of different tropical sure. flavors coming out of this. There's, um, 
is definitely sort of a mango and, and pineapple, and uh, there's white grapes. Mm-hmm. There is a bit of spiciness. There, there's a little bit of earthiness that comes through from from the stuff. There's. Uh, it reminds me, no, not just white grapes, but like the wild. Rusty. The wild grapes that I had growing in the field next to my house growing up, yeah. like the grapes you'd pick off the vine and eat them, you know, they're pretty tart, pretty dry, a lot of wild yeast on the skin. Very of the musty, grapes, yeah. You know, and, and that kind of, it kind of, it took a sip, kind of took me back to playing in the field with the grapevines, you know, and things like that. Mm. <laughs> it's good beer. I, I don't have fond recollections of like oh Arakawa but you know today I kind of do I mean this is this should be memorable this is really good it really is it, there's if you just don't like Brett then you may not appreciate mm-hmm. some character because there because there's a pretty strong Brett it's actually stronger than I, I remember um, it, it's a living thing right yeah. I mean you're not buying Budweiser you're buying Arakawa yeah. so you're going to get a lot of a lot of variation. You love terroir. You're going to get, you know, based on the barrels, really. You know how funky the barrels want to be. How much time was in the barrels. It's a very changing thing. So you got to be used to that variation. But oh, this one is good. Really reminds me very much of a, a central to southern California cab or a Sauvignon Blanc mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. even a not super oaky Chardonnay. Okay. Uh, not super buttery, but just a little bit of oakiness, and a lot of tropical fruit. Lots of. Uh, you don't find that the the breath, the leatheriness, the saddle would like. I mean, you're you're comparing it to wines. I'm curious because right. what I know about wines is breath is evil in wineries, and they hate it, and it ruins wines. And you're you're coming. It sounds like for this particular description, you're a beer guy. I know that, but you're this particular description. You're coming in from a wine angle. And how does that play into there? Is it is it taking it down? Is it enhancing it? You know, how well, do you feel that? I mean, in all honesty, I'm comparing it to uh, Southern to Central California whites, which, in all due respect, are not necessarily top dog in the wine market. But at the same point, they can have a really pleasant uh, afternoon, summer drinking, uh, kind of a patio, patio beer, patio mm-hmm. wine kind of effect, as you mentioned, Greg. A lot of uh, mango, a lot of uh, passion fruit, maybe, and some tropical notes. Cantaloupe, so, some, maybe honey. Right. And so maybe not what uh, the Napa Valley super okay. uber wine connoisseur would be looking for, but a very, very pleasant, very nice uh, patio, hot afternoon wine or gotcha. beer in this case. Gotcha. So a little bit earlier, Greg, before you came, I picked up a growler of Red Star Kombucha at Whole Foods for $6. Mm. Good price. And I took some down to Rex to give him a try, so he got to try the kombucha today. Did you get a glob? No, I didn't it, was, get a glob. it was a growler filled off draft, okay. so no globs. But, um, I don't know. I think you might have to pay extra for the glob. <laughs> <laughs> get the bottle to get the glob. But uh, Rex and his wife Katie were reading up about kombucha and the whole mm-hmm. probiotic thing and, you know, the, the benefits of eating fermented foods and whatnot. So he was curious about it. So it was pretty fortuitous that I brought him a, you know, a couple glasses of the kombucha to try. Right. What did you think about it? I mean, very enjoyable. Um, both myself and my wife have been interested in uh, both probiotic and fermented foods, active cultures, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. I thought it uh, was very pleasant. As you mentioned, it had a very kind of uh, green tea kind of flavor with a little bit of tropical fruit. Um, 
Very right. pleasant. Yeah, the, the other thing I would say is if you get a bottle or a fresh growler, it'll only be better because by the time you got it, the carbonation was coming out of it. And when it has a good sharp carbonation, it's a little more cidery and I think it's a little brighter. Um, so that's that's one downside to getting, you know, 64 ounces of, of kombucha filled where they're having a hard time filling the growler because it was filling up on them. So, But right. talk about sessionable, you have a very hard yeah, time getting the <laughs> I, I saw it, you know, I was at uh, Whole Foods on Friday on the way home and I picked up a, um, a growler of um, the alt beer from, damn it, I can't think of, oh, Terrapin, I got Terrapin's alt beer, okay. and that was good, drank that up last night, and then today I, you know, started tasting the, the kombucha at 1%, you can almost start drinking that in the morning, it's no big deal, right, and um, it was really good, you know, first first glass or two. And then the carbonation worked out pretty quickly, and by the time I gave Rex some, it was still good. It just wasn't as great mm. as it was up front. So. I thought it was very pleasant. Very pleasant. Uh, 85 degree afternoon. Mm -hmm. A nice, uh, cool, refreshing kombucha. If there's, if there's any complaint, it's a little on the sweet side. You know, something a little bit drier might be great for a hot day. But This heat has destroyed my hands. I don't know if you noticed. What but the heck happened there? Yeah, just, it, they got really dry. And it's uh, some moisturizer. Yeah, no, I've been trying. The last couple of days I have been, but I didn't have any before. So, <laughs> gotcha. yeah, it, it's going to take some time to get out. But, yeah, it's all the skin's peeling off the first layers. All right, so where are you going to the next beer? So, now. <laughs> now, where do we go? We've got like all kinds of. we got the four points of the crazy beer universe. Uh, well, let's, let's stay on the Dolly Pumpkin hit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because the other ones are adjuncted. This yeah. one is is. This one is. So you're about to taste my favorite beer, ever, ever, ever. I've had this four times, I think. Three of the four times, I think it confirmed how much I love. However, the first time was existential. Well, the first time was a slightly different variation of this. This is this is the beer to Mars, uh, from Jolly Pumpkin. The first time we had it, we had their Grand Crew, which is aged for an additional uh, like 16 or 20 months or something. This one is, is not aged nearly as long. But it's still pretty amazing. Uh, the second time I had it was at the uh, Primes for Prostates. And then I think I had it two other times. And uh, So the Primes for Prostate wasn't as good. Every other time I've had it from the bottle, mm -hmm. it's been amazing. It's you know People often say that they don't have a favorite beer. I do, and it's this one. So, Beer de Mars is... It's a stock ale. Stock ale, right. So, I mean, it's more or less a Belgio-French style. Yeah. It's darker than your beer de Gard. It's um, a little more roasty, a little more... I don't know, I... You know, I, I, know think, I, think I can name like I can think of like maybe just maybe I've had one other beer to Mars than Johnny yeah. Pumpkin, so it's it's not one of those ones you really know the style. I think it kind of fits into a broadly the the beer to guard category, which the Oro does too. It's just a little bit more malty, uh, so it, that's really a difference. Is basically a malt. So Mars comes from March, right? right. So yeah. they're talking about the beer to Mars is a sustaining beer. Sustaining would be a, a, a full bodied. You know, um, fortified, not fortified would be the wrong word, but, you know, a robust beer um, brewed to comfort the gusty ides of March and welcome in the wealth of warmer weather. 
Beware the odds of... Oh, okay, marketing speak, blah, blah, blah. Cheers and Mahalo. Why are they bringing in Hawaii in the... Uh, 7% alcohol by volume. It's a uh, sort of a tannish with uh, some yellowish highlights. So the nose on this one is not quite as distinctive as the last one. The last one had you know a lot more fruitiness, you know, with that bread. Well, I think these are these are deeper, darker fruits mm-hmm. that you're getting. Right. There, there's plum and there's a little bit of uh, even tomato. There's maybe a little bit of black cherry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there. Uh, I was trying to make a point that it's just not as open. Yeah. Right. There's still definitely the bread character. No tomato. Tomato's fascinating. I think this is the first time I've heard tomato on the show. Came to my mind. Let's see. Tomato. I can't disagree. I think there could be some tomato in there. Not super acidic, but, you know, maybe a little bit sun-dried, where it's Mm -hmm. a little condensed, a little bit sweeter. You know, I can smell some sun-dried tomato. I think we just added a new term to our craft beer radio (laughs) vocabulary. Good job, Greg. I know. We've done other nightshade like tobacco, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of um, a maltiness, uh, just a slight touch of, of alt beer or saison type smells in there. You know, a little bit of maybe like a Vienna malt or something, you know, to kind of back that up. But yes, um, just a touch, you know, it was kind of just a fleeting aroma, but I just wanted to pull in because it's, you know, gives a benchmark for people to. Mm-hmm. Well, let's taste. Oh, there's a big fruit flavor on this thing. It's very sweet. It's very jammy almost. Jam's great, yeah. The currant. Greg, your your plum. I mean that definitely comes through once. Plum, you, uh, red currants. Right. Yeah, like right. a like a jelly oh yeah. It's slightly more apparent in, in, in the very first one we had that was those aged longer, but there's there's bits of chocolate there. There's um you know, there there's some Dark, you know, there's tobacco-y bits. There's some. Yeah. After I take a sip, the aroma a little bit of leather, a little bit. Yeah. The aroma, the aroma to me after taking a sip is a lot more chocolate cherries. Right. Yeah, a lot more of that. If I could only spread this and make a sandwich out of it and take <laughs> it to work. It's the best Nutella peanut butter Nutella jelly sandwich ever, right? right? What's amazing about this one and the Oro too, but. In, one of the reasons why I love a lot of raspberry in the flavor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I love Jolly Pumpkin. There are a few that I don't like. They're Firefly. I don't like very much, but most of Jolly Pumpkin. They're hop beers, like ESB beer. <laughs> yeah, they're they tell such stories. There's such a there, there's such a complexity to them that you can just keep going in different levels and seeing what's there. And this beer was fourteen ninety nine in Ohio. Yeah, twenty five ounce bottle. Uh, this is. It's it's just uh, to me this is an amazing specimen. This is oh, it's it's not it's not what I would remember from the best beer to Mars, right? But it, it's also very very good. It's more chocolatey and fruity than I remember. I remember more oakiness from mm-hmm. beer to Mars. But this is really a beer to be enjoyed with a cigar. Oh yeah, and Jeff doesn't smoke, but you get some of the same darker. Fruity tones. I don't smoke, but I can appreciate the beers that you want to sit around a campfire. Or in a dark paneled wood room. Dark paneled, mm-hmm. yeah, big, surrounded by big leather armchairs. Let's say you're surrounded by a lot of smelly cedar. This would right. go really well too. Um, there's 
Go, go, go in the closet and drink yeah. this beer. There, there's just and beautiful... And come out of the closet. <laughs> beautiful and amazing fruity yesterday. And there's also a different, a difference that this one has the Calabaza didn't have is, is the tanginess is a lot mm-hmm. stronger here. So you're... It, it's sort of imploring you to try more, taste more. And it also brings out and volatilizes some... Well, I mean, you know, for the biggest difference for me is the Calabaza was hugely Britannomyces. Yeah. You know, wild yeasts farmhouse characters leathery funky where this one is hugely currants and raspberries and chocolate and a little bit of tobacco you know that that's really where i'm getting here it's wonderful mm, that, that 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 sip i just took was the best one i had yet it's just full of like 80 dimensions of things i'm getting a little tiny bit of, of wildness now that i'm getting a little more acclimated to great flavors but it it's just it's it's part of that story. It's not a better or worse. It's just the next chapter. You mm-hmm. get a little more. It's a little drier. It's drying in my mouth. It's it's a touch chalky. It's not really farmhousey yet, but you can tell that it might get there. On the other hand, I feel like a velvet or velour jacket wouldn't be inappropriate for mm-hmm. drinking this beer. This is the Beer de Mars from Jolly Pumpkin. This is, so we talked about this a little bit earlier. This was bottled on March 28th, 2013. Or I'm sorry, February 28th, 2013. And it was blend two. And this is where we need to get Ron Jeffries on the phone to say, hey, what the, let's blend two me. Give me some blend one, blend three. I want to, I want to do these vertically. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, we don't have that Send me luxury. more Jolly Pumpkin. We don't have that luxury. Right. If we had a production assistant, only if we had a PA. Wow. I just, I'm always in awe of how good this beer is. So Rex, you've made some other beers. Uh, Rex is famous for like asking me my opinion about the beer he wants to brew, and I'm like, no, that's not going to work. You don't want to do it that way. Everything I can find on the internet says, here's how you make a 20% beer. You want to do it this way. He ignores me, does it a different way, and it works out. So, so tell us, you know, let's talk a little bit about that big beer, the 19%er that you made. The 19%? The, the quad IPA or whatever it was. It's almost like my third child. <laughs> it was, uh, what was that, about 10 months in the making, and uh, I would say I probably spent about as much time with it as I did the other members of my family. Um, as, as you mentioned, Jeff, you were a little bit of a skeptic, but in the end, uh, I strolled down the street and presented you with a bottle of it. I think it turned out reasonably reputable. You, you couldn't get it carbonated, so it was a still beer. Right. Very lightly carbonated. Um, I didn't actually force carbonate it. I thought that that would uh, be a little bit untrue to its, its character. So I let it be what it was going to be, and... I think it came out reasonably true to what I expected of it. Uh, a little bit darker and more caramely than those of you who might have had a Dogfish 120. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, Jeff and I sat on my back balcony and tested them head to head. Albeit, I think we may have had a little bit of uh, conflicting. I I I had forgotten about that moment until you just mentioned it. On the bright side. I have some 120-2004, which says, you know, drink now or age for a decade or so. Those puppies are almost ready. <laughs> so, uh, 
So we're gonna have some ten-year-old one uh, twenties very soon. Nice the radio. Uh, anyway, ten-year-olds. I mean, beers. Beers. So you know, Rex, like, like the whole point was, you want to make a twenty percent beer. I'm like, everything I read says you got to feed it. You got to make a lower gravity beer, let it ferment out, and that basically poison it as the fermentation is winding down. Add more sugars to it. You ramp it up, make a bigger beer. I'm like, that's the only way you're going to get 19%. Everything already tells me that. And you, you, I think you did uh, more standard fermentation. You made a huge wort. Do you remember the original gravity at all? I did. Uh, I think the original gravity was 2.2. It was it was huge. So 0. 0.2. Right. Two. Right. I mean, it was ridiculous. And uh, I pitched I pitched it uh, probably five times. Um Oh, yeah, you wasted a lot of money on yeast, right? I did. I did. I probably went through about five, six batches of yeast, and the first three were fairly standard run-of-the-mill ale yeasts, and that took me up about to 14 16%, and uh, the, the last three batches were more of a champagne yeast, and that brought me up to about 19.3%, 19.4%. I think I left probably another maybe percent and a half on the table, just maybe due mm. to my own, you know, bold-facedness, impatience. Um, had I been willing to give it another couple months, I probably could have hit 20, maybe 20 and a half. But uh, no, so the champagne yeast was probably dry. But thinking about the was. thinking about the liquid yeast, right? You're paying like seven bucks a vial. So right. So like, yeah, you spend a lot of money on on pitching this beer. It's true. It's true. And uh, I did spend a reasonable amount of time rousing it. I uh, probably uh, circulated about three, four times a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did watch it probably. My, my wife might argue I watched it closer than my two children at the time, but uh, I would argue maybe it was neck and neck. You, your two children say. don't get the 20% alcohol. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> However, one child asked me to taste the kombucha earlier today, <laughs> and uh, he, Rex kind of looked at me and like, it's 1%, I right. might allow that, uh, but it's your call. It might be okay in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, when I was a kid... And he wouldn't like it. I knew that. I knew he wouldn't right. like the flavor. But I, when I was a kid, my parents used to allow me to dip my finger in their wine and take a little sip. And I don't see a problem with that. Giving them a glass of wine is a different story, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to get. In, we're really getting post show here. I, I apologize. <laughs> well, it's, it's. I also, my dad would also maybe give me a sip of beer. There, there's some science that you know having some alcohol before you're 15 or so really messes up your head, right? Messes up your. Well, having I mean, a lot of alcohol, right. I don't think a, a tiny bit will. Yeah, but giving them like a five ounce glass when they're like that's eleven a years old. Five yeah, ounces yeah. is a lot. Yeah, so like that's we like we drink like two or three ounces on the show. Well, we drink. Multiple iterations of champagne. but but for each beer we drink like two or three ounces. Yeah, to give somebody five, that's a lot of beer. Yeah, all right, so too much of a rat hole. Let's uh, let's go back to the maybe it's, it's the perfect I'm time. I'm lagging behind, I need to get on. Yeah, to the maybe beer. it's the perfect time to do our promo. <laughs> Sounds good to me. We um, Craft Beer Ready is looking for some some funds. We're going to go to Saver, we're going to go to the Great American Beer Fest. Nice. Um, the easiest way to support Craft Beer Radio is to use our Amazon referral link. You just go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon, and we'll redirect you to Amazon. 
you buy whatever you're going to buy anyway, and we get like about six percent of the uh, of what you spend. It doesn't cost you anything more, and uh, that helps support the radio, crappy radio. If you want to um, give us cold hard cash, you can use do it. Excuse me. You can do it through PayPal. Yes. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. It's good. funny. Just drunk. drunk. <laughs> you can do it through PayPal. We have a link on our website where you can uh, give us a one-time donation of whatever you want. Or I said donation, didn't I? Donation. So what? You can do it. You can do it. Dalmatian. If you want to roll the music. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's our story. It's music. Let's turn over. No, no, you're doing well. Well, I'll continue. So you can donate you. to us directly on, on the website, a small donation in, uh, in one time, or you can do a, a, like a one-year donation. You can do a, uh, a scheduled donation sustained, every month, sustained. sustained. As little as $12 a yeah. year or $2 a month. Uh, you can go to our website, and there are deals from Midwest Brewing Supply. If you go to our website, click on that. You can get all your brewing equipment there. You can go to Bluehost if you need web hosting. But, you know, Amazon is probably the, the most easiest way to do it, which is just go to craftyradio.com slash Amazon. Boom, you're in Amazon, and just buy whatever you want. doesn't cost you anything extra. We get a little bit extra. You buy 500 Kindles, we'll be very happy. Oh, yeah, do that. So... <laughs> I like the interlude music. That's nice. Oh, I'm embarrassed. I can talk beer when I'm drunk. Well, I just let's, talk let's go on. I drunk. think we need a shock to the system. I think we need something that will completely... I was thinking this. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were going to have us rock out with our cock out, but... <laughs> we can do this. I, I, I think we go in a whole different direction, and that different direction is something that I saw that I thought... This is probably going to be really, really good. This is Great Divides Yeti, which we already have established as one of our favorite Imperial Stouts. However, this is the Chocolate Oak Aged Yeti. Well, that's it. You know, there's Yeti, which is wonderful. There's Oak Aged Yeti, which is more wonderful. Then there's, oh, hey, guess what? We made Chocolate Oak Aged Yeti. But they've also made Espresso Oak Aged Yeti. They've also made other kinds of crazy-ass Oak Aged Yeti. So they, they said they toned down the hops to allow cocoa nibs to contribute to the bitterness. And um, they put a dash of cayenne in there, too. It's a 9.5% alcohol by volume. It's a completely dark beer. It is just black. <laughs> there is. So the head is, is dark tan. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a... Uh, a mocha ice cream type color on the t- on the uh, head. And the aroma is a chocolate licorice wonder. Ooh! Oh my lord! Yeah, big aroma. If anything, it's just a touch boozy. It's. Maybe I'm not, I'm not gonna figs. Yeah, good call. I'm not gonna pass judgment on the aroma, but it, there's a, a maybe a touch of no plush room. Yes, I was time. thinking the same thing. Right. We'll see with the flavor whether it's acetone or not. There's similar compounds that can just be flavor aromatic compounds that are not actually nail polish. I could see how I could see how chocolate plus booze is very similar to acetone. Yes, and and the flavor might forgive the chocolate plus booze versus a spoiled Mm -hmm. infected acetone beer. It'd be a pity if this were infected.
Flavor's pretty good. Lots of rich cocoa. Mocha okay. nibs come come through nicely. Ooh. Holy. Hello. Having just recently snatched a, an illicit uh, small handful of cocoa nibs at Whole Foods when I was uh, there, just just a sample because I was thinking about a cocoa-laced beer myself, mm-hmm. I would say the cocoa comes through nicely. Mm-hmm. There's a scorched marshmallow. I'll give you that. Yeah. So like Some the- of the details on this beer is a 9.5 ABV, bottled March 29th, 2013. Mm. Yeah, when you when you put a marshmallow just in the flame and let the flame overtake, and you get surrounded by that carbon stuff, so there's a lot of that really dark, roasty, uh, you know, just slightly charred character to the flavor. To so the for the for the I'm sorry for the food pairings. Yeah, I normally wouldn't mention this because they're pretty run of the mill, but this one's interesting. Food pairings, raw oysters. Grilled New York strip, chicken mole, roaring 20s blue cheese. They say 40s in their website. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 40s. I guess the, the 20s, roaring. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. The 40s uh, never roared. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a lot of war going on. <laughs> right. Creme mulet, <laughs> chocolate raspberry, mousse cake. That's it, like the most diverse food pairings Ever, but I can't, I can't disagree, right? I mean, I, I'm surprised they did not cheesecake this, because this would be delicious. Like, if you sear pies this and put this on a cheesecake, it'd be amazing. Right. I think the creme brulee is a great call. Yeah. I can see that. Any, anything with those uh, e- either custardy or caramel flavors would really bring out some of the right. I mean, the flavors. chicken mole, the steak, mm-hmm. you know, those make sense. Blue cheese, but right. I can still see it. Well, know? blue cheese and, and, and dark beers is an extremely beautiful pairing that I wish more people would try. It, and probably it doesn't sound like it would, it would work well, but it works so the well. The biggest contrast, I think, is the oysters, mm-hmm. right? I can totally it's see a, oysters. But, but it's a contrast, right? It's, it's yes. not a compliment. It's definitely a contrast. Yeah. But there's a salty and brininess that would mm-hmm. bring out some of the extra flavors. So that's where I think that you know, comes through. Yeah, the I would feel that the oysters would almost enhance the beer, where the other ones might be vice versa. There's a reason why they have oyster stouts. I mean, it's it, it, it's mm-hmm. because it works. I mean, somebody tried it and it and kept working. Oysters work with dark beer, but at the same time, yeah. I mean, uh, grilled grilled steak, obviously. You're, you're bringing all those melanoidins to the flavor, and that just adds to it. Blue cheese, like I, I, say, I say again, tart cheeses work so well with dark beers. They're just, uh, they're a revelation with dark beers. I take a sniff of this, and all I smell is acetone. I, I, we're, we're trained to sense it, so I think we smell it, but it's not actually there. I think that it's, like you said, it's a combination uh-huh. of different things. Custom. Yeah, I mean, it's the flavor... The flavor's not hot, it's not zingy, it's not headache-inducing, you know, but the, the aroma is like, oh, don't drink this, it's acetone, it's going to give you a headache, it's, uh but when you take a sip, it, it's wonderful, it, it's it's almost the worst false flag that I can think of. <laughs> it's really almost a dark, dried fruit, like uh, kind of a oh, mix yeah. between a, a fig slash blueberry... Kind of, but but dried and a little bit leathery. Mm-hmm. And, and I can, I think I can see some of the influence of the, of the cayenne they put in there. Cayenne 
can sort of like soft brighten something mm -hmm. up. And um, th there's a little bit of sort of a roast chili dipped in chocolate kind of flavor that comes with this. A it's very a little bit dark, mole. Yeah. Yeah, very dark mm -hmm. chocolate. Uh, nice, dark, and bitter. Yeah, this would be, you mentioned about reducing this into a syrup before. I could see a lot of uses where you wouldn't cook with this beer. Mm -hmm. uh, I could just see it be standing up very well to everything from ice cream down the line to the main course, you know, different kinds of meat, a mole. Mm -hmm. um, hell, I mean, maybe even a salad with, you know, arugula and blue cheese or goat cheese or something like that, you know, and this drizzle on top. You know, I can see all kinds of uses for this thing. That said, I wonder if it's so dark and bitter that Heather may not appreciate it. It's possible. I, I think that it might be a little, a little robust for Heather's palate. She had a great beer. I, I just got to call this one out. We were down at Bucktown today, and she had the Finches. I can't remember the name for it, but it was their chocolate stout. And damn, she tasted it. She's like, whoa. And I tasted it. I'm like, I had no idea this was a chocolate stout. I thought it was just a robust stout. And it was a wonderful chocolate stout, one of the best that I've had. Maybe not as crazy uh, artisan, you know, Belgian as like chocolate from Southern Tier. But it was definitely not gimmicky, it was not syrupy, it was not Hershey's, it was it was just wonderful. Finches, something, something, secret stout that was chocolate. See, I, I'm wondering about these first three beers because I think there's an interesting pattern to them, which is that I think they are all not for beginners. I don't think that these are things you want to introduce no, people to craft No, but this beer. is our 8th anniversary show. It's not, no, yeah, a, yeah. It's not a beginner no, show. But I, I think it's interesting to point that out, that these these are not things that you can you know give to somebody. If anyone was a beginner sh beer, I would say it was a chocolate one. And maybe Beer de Mars second. Uh, see, I think Beer de Mars would be the, the most that would come through the most because it doesn't have as much of a Brett character as the Oro. See, I think the I think the Brett character and the and the the passion fruit and the the stuff in the calabaza, the Oro de Calabaza, I think would be the the most learned, the most acquired palate beer. It's, so it, that, that's true too, because it, it, the bread is over. But here it's like there's a it's a really strong and deep bitterness, and, and if. If you like bitter chocolate, I can see this being a really, uh, really good introduction beer. If you just like not so bitter chocolate, this is not as much. Any thoughts, right? I think honestly, uh, Jeff, your your commentary about the Oro was was very good. I think it's a little bit more approachable than some of the others. Yet at the same time, to truly appreciate its subtleties requires a little bit more dedicated and educated palate. Uh, Yeti, I think, is a little bit more in your face and requires someone who's really thinking about their beer a little bit more than the average. Um, the Yeti's fantastic. The Oro's fantastic. They're all fantastic beers. I think the Oro might be a little bit more approachable because it's a little bit less in your face than okay. some of the others. So, what about the Beer to Mars? The Beer to Mars is great. I think it sits right between the Yeti and the Oro. Uh, its fruitiness is, so and its think, jamminess you think, you think, is nice. You think the Yeti is the most complicated one to appreciate? 
No. I think the Yeti is the most in your face. In your face, okay. But I think the Oro is the most subtle. It's it's approachable because none of the flavors are are overwhelming. And and maybe wine drinkers can have a benchmark to start walking in on it. It's it's a pretty unusual beer considering the the rest of of the craft beer industry as a whole. Right. I would compare um, the Oro to a little bit more like a... Chardonnay or a Sauvignon Blanc, mm-hmm. whereas um, the Beer to Mars is a little bit more like a um, Sonoma Pinot Noir, whereas I would say the chocolate uh, Yeti would be a little bit more like a really in-your-face uh, um, Barolo. Maybe even a Barolo. I was thinking of uh, something very uh, in-your-face and spicy and red. So I think a Barolo would be uh, appropriate. There you go. I am going to... Uh, this is a beer where I think we're going to rock out with a cock out. Okay. This is the J.W. Lee's Harvest. Greg found this gem of a beer for only $9.99. Now granted, it is only 9.3 fluid ounces, but it is the J.W. Lee's Harvest Ale Matured in Lagavulin Whiskey Casks. I've had this beer once before. Straight out of a single cask that the uh, Monk's Cafe out in Philly bought from like from GW Lee's for Philly Beer Week, and they poured it as a Fergin, and the stuff was amazing. This is a better press price point. So we have had this on the show in the Calvados version. Actually, we have a Calvados in the fridge. This is the 2011 vintage. Yes, the Lagavulin. They they take the JW Lee's, which is Nordale, and they age it in different barrels. There's the Lagavulin Scotch. You know, Islay, Islay whiskey, you know, whiskey barrels, very smoky. There's it's a barley wine, actually, not oil. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, there, thank you, Greg. No, there's a big difference. There is a huge difference. There's a lot less freeness in the barley wine. Uh, it's a lot sweeter. Okay. Uh, there's, there are port sherry versions. At, port and cherry, there's Calvados, and this is Lagavulin. Calvados, for people who might not know, is a apple brandy from Spain. That's pretty good, too. <laughs> They had all four kinds. I only got the the whiskey and yeah, who cares about Portland and, and Calvados because mostly because I, I want to spend more on other beers and I didn't want to get I keep falling off my chair tonight. <laughs> Sorry, that's at least partially my fault. <laughs> Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> have you ever had like a bull and scotch? I have. Okay. I have. So it's a super smoky. I like scotch. Probably the most campfire of, of scotches that I know of. That smells amazing. It's a lot like Oban, if you've had Oban. I uh, have not had Oban. I've heard about very them. Very peaty, very smoky. Yeah. That, that sounds like I'm going to a little bit more. That is our 9.3 fluid ounces of scotch, or of scotch beer. This is, a, like I said, 11.5% alcohol by volume. Oh my goodness, that smells almost exactly like a scotch bottle right there. You sniff it, you smell the peatiness, you smell. So here's a little inside baseball for, for listeners, uh, Rex, is uh, one of the friends of the show, Brew Crazy, took Greg saying peatiness and played it over and over again so it sounded like penis. And um, it's talking about Greg and loving the penis, so... I love, yeah, I said I love the peatiness, and I was, I 
slightly made right. it. It was very fast, so it sounded right. a little. I love the penis, but I'm fine. I love the penis. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It could be uh, some yours, sort of right? sound I mean, up here, but I feel like this beer should go along with some sort of pagan ritual. <laughs> the peatiness, the smokiness, really kind of recalls the Highlands. Mm, it's, it smells like a campfire. Right. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's freaking. I'm so happy when Greg showed me that he brought this beer. I'm like, you know. What's your favorite beer to a beer guy? You know, general answer is beer in your glass, whatnot. Mm-hmm. A beer, a barley wine aged in Lagavulin barrels, has to be one of my favorite beers <laughs> always. So as long as this stands up to my expectations, this is going to be the answer. That there's there's a lot of so for the aroma. There's not much beer coming through. It smells it smells like the whiskey. It's just maybe not as hot yes, and spicy right. as the whiskey. But I'm not getting anything that is distinct from Lagavulin like in the aroma. A little bit... A little sweeter. A little, it's it's the, sweeter than Lagavulin. Yeah, I'm still, working, I'm still working on the aroma. Maybe a little sweeter. I'm definitely getting some char. Like, yeah. like, like it smells like there's a chunk of charcoal. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's this peatiness, but there's a distinct char to the aroma. That's why I said like campfire. Like if if you're mm-hmm. walking towards a campfire on a beach, you you you'd, you'd probably get an aroma a lot like yeah. this. I mean, for people that are around a lot of campfires, it really would depend on the wood that's making the smoke. But there's a certain char, the certain if you're if you smoke pork or something like a smoked meat right and you have a smoker and you throw some hickory in there or something like that you know there's the smoke coming off this that is very distinct to pretty late in the smoking where the hickory in this might have faded but there's still a wood smoke to it or something like that it's almost like a wet smoke it's very mm-hmm. heavy mm-hmm. well it is from a peat right a peat bone right. right so it is a very have that. It's, it is a very wet smoke not a hardwood at all so I mean that definitely makes sense knowing things about where this beer came from I'm going to go into the sip. I think you guys have been drinking it already. So talk about what you're tasting. Good Lord. That is... That is amazing. <laughs> oh, that tastes like... The color's not altogether unreminiscent of a good scotch. Yeah, it's caramelish, and right. The, yeah. the peaty characters and the smoke. Uh, I'm really a big fan of uh, Glen Morangy and the port uh, barrel finish. And it's not altogether un- unreminiscent. Caramel and toffee with with bits of uh, bits of, of, of bitterness there and, and and dampness. Mm. Wow! <laughs> it is wow. I'm just sitting back. Lord. I'm like. Do I have to talk? I just want to drink this, and I'm going to stop the recording and drink this, enjoy, and like screw you people because this is my time. <laughs> Aftertaste is a little bitter, kind of lingers slightly on the tongue with a little bit of a little acridness, right? Yeah. A little smoky. Yeah. It's not so much bitter like hot bitter, but it's more smoky. Yeah, like, like a little acrid. A little uh, hanging in the air type smoke. A little uh, like uh, like char, a little bit mm-hmm. like you just you know rub some charcoal on your tongue, you know, or you ate some of the char from this steak, and that's all you had. Yeah, a very charred steak or something like that. Yeah. I don't want to take away from this because I think this is a fantastic, fantastic beer. 
again, I feel like I should be wearing a velvet jacket and smoking a cigar. Oh, no, absolutely. But, this, uh, this, we're drinking these out of our sniffers, and uh, this is a fireplace beer. This is, you're wearing your Hugh Hefner, you know, lounge coat. You're, you're sitting back with your slippers on, and you're drinking this beer. There's a little bit of a sharp funk to it, like maybe in the, the mid-aftertaste. Um, mm -hmm. just is it a fire smoky thing or is it some other kind of funk not not a bad funk but a little bit of just a sharpness before the uh, before the char kicks in yeah yeah I agree it's the, the initial flavors when this goes in your tongue are unbelievably amazing it doesn't have as much lasting power in terms of those initial flavors following through to to an equally joyous end. It's slightly, it's slightly accurate on the end. Right. I, I kind of do see that. For you guys, the very first plate taste, are you getting a barley wine? Or are you getting uh, an Isle scotch? Or, you know, I'm, I am personally tasting like this huge multi scotch flavor. I'm not tasting so much beer flavor up front. There's a little bit of beer in the middle and then there's this char at the end. The, there's so much character coming out of the barrel of this beer, it almost makes it not taste like beer. To be honest, it is hard to say without you putting a suggestion in my mind, but to be honest, it, the, the thing I would most compare it to is other barley wines. It has the same kind of sweetness. It has uh, the, so, the same depth to it with, with, with uh, the heavy alcohol influence as well. It has smoky character that's not reminiscent of barley wine, but that doesn't mean it's not also... So you're a self-admitted non-fan of bourbons. Right. How are you with scotches and Islay scotches in particular? I like them considerably more than bourbons. Okay. All right. I was just curious because I was wondering how that played in... I mean, they're all whiskeys, right? Yes. So I was just play, curious how that played into what you were saying right now. Unfortunately, I don't have like a Volant. I wish. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had like a Volant over in the, over at the bar. I only got the frog quarter cast. I mean, bourbon's, bourbon's okay. I had I had a period of time where I was really into bourbon, and then I kind of got out of it. But I think that you know, I've had some like 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 twelve year old like a Volant, or you know, there's it's a, good, it's a good place to have yeah. it. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing and complex and different and interesting and dr and a lot drier than bourbon too. And I think that you, I, I I can totally appreciate that more than bourbon, which just kind of leaves me going, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. it, well, I've had bourbons like that too, but then I've also found ones that have been amazing. no. I, I've, I've had you know like Buffalo Trace is an example of a yeah. really good bourbon, but it still leaves it's kind of like a not quite wonderful sure. taste in my mouth. But I don't think the same thing happens with with a good PB Scotch like this, right? So no, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of Lagavulin well Scotch, uh, and this is this incorporates the Scotch extreme extraordinarily well, yeah, but I it's mean, still a barley wine. To me. Just you know, for full disclosure, right? Lagavulin, like you know, like twelve year old or so, it's my favorite spirit mm -hmm. in the world, mm -hmm. right? Like I can't think of anything that even comes close to drinking a twelve year old Lagavulin or something like that. So it really seems like the foretaste is is very very Scotchy, very PD. Mm -hmm. A little bit of sweet. It's almost surprising smoky. how scotchy it is. The, the mid is very barley wine. And then the follow-through is almost Madeira. And mm. 
it's I wanted to say port at first, but it really isn't quite as bold and quite as jammy as port. So Madeira is a port fortified red right. wine, right? So very very full body, right? Beefy, but not know. quite as jammy as a port, mm-hmm. right? I've only ever used Madeira when making wassail, you know, <laughs> blending with beer and apples and stuff. So. <laughs> Don't get us wrong, this is a oh, it's very beautiful drink. Never pass this up. And if you find a nine ounce bottle for ten dollars, buy it. Don't don't not buy it. Money well spent. We are being maybe hypercritical. If if you think if you think that we're not enjoying this beer, then it's just us just trying to be hypercritical. We love this beer. Greg? Mm-hmm. You love this beer? Love this beer. Rex, you love this beer? Fantastic and complex. I love this beer. It's wonderful. Wonderful. That said, every beer has flaws. Nothing is perfect. And this is... There, there is a tiny, tiny scratch in the beautiful one-pound diamond that this is. Oh, beer. sure. I mean, I mean... Yes, they could have, have spent less time in the barrel. They could have blended it out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It got a little more barley wine character from it. It's not a complaint. Yeah. It's just, I would love to try that beer versus this beer, yeah. you know? I wish I had more than this one sip left. That's a, mm-hmm. is, is that a, that's an, as good an endorsement as I can put on a beer, right. I think, really. I, I, I just want to drink more of it. It's... Uh, and, and I would recommend if you if you see this, get it. If you see any of the GWEs, now I can only personally speak about the Cavados and the Legavulin. I'm sure the Sherry and the Port ones are, are okay too. Yeah, I'm sure they're not shabby. But the if you find the Cavados or the uh, Legavulin, buy them, buy them, buy them, buy them. Especially if they're only ten bucks. If they're twenty bucks, that's where you start to figure out uh, how much. Disposable income do I have? But if, <laughs> if you can get it for ten bucks, buy them. Well, keep in mind that these all these beers had an additional cost because I had to drive out to Ohio again. So, but you you did this whole bulk. Yeah, it's like Sam Club, it was Sam's Club, mm-hmm. right? It's this whole bulk buying trip. You yeah. know, one you know an extra you know sixty miles out yeah, back. If I were just to go to get this one beer, then it would have been expensive but, but oh we got a gusher we have a gusher we have a gusher we got the uh bar towel right there please this is the mckellar from bosen beer and it's excited spontan from is the mckellar so this is i assume smells good but it's by the name a spontaneously fermented frambose from a mckellar smells in really good smells cocoa raspberries why not finish off with a dessert beer <laughs> What do we got? About 12 ounces here, I think 13 ounces. Something like that. It's, it's, in, it's in milliliters, whatever. <laughs> oh, look at that raspberry color. This is yours, right? No. No, mine? No. That's yours. I'm sorry. That is Rex's. And that one's mine. So this is brewed only once from McKellar, but it should be still available, I imagine. 7.7%. Correct. Let me touch it. It is a uh, 
kind of a middle red, middleish red beer with sort of a plum juice kind of color, I guess you could say. And it has a finger or two's worth of a fluffy head. It's a beautiful raspberry aroma on it. So the official name is the McKellar Spontan Frambles. So spontaneous frambles, right? Ale brewed with raspberries, aged in wine barrels, 7.7 ABV. Or at least that's the story that they're sticking with. I love how the back label is like completely twisted. <laughs> but it's I can adjust it. I can make it straight. I can make it twisted. I can make it upside down. There's a bit of a bready. It's kind of like make your own label here. Oh, it is. Uh, it is feeling itself. It's a little bit angry. A little bit saucy and in your face. So describe angry. Well, it's uh, angry when, or just rambunctious. It is certainly rambunctious, if not outright angry. I mean, many people will, uh, when they think of a frambois, they will think of something very sweet, uh, very very desserty. This See, has a very tart character. That's yeah, the aroma is very pleasant front. because it's it's barnyard, mm -hmm. right? It's it's not just and it's not bread. Yeah, it, it's it's a little bread, but it, there may be. But there's there's more there's more lambic. There's wild. There's right. there's pedio. There's funk. Yes. There's, a there's lactic. There's there's lactic. Maybe a little bit fecal. There's all, <laughs> yeah. all kinds of things going on there. It is. It's it's a it's a rotten, delicious smell. Yeah, you know, like a like a uh, a footy cheese. It it is what you hope a frambos would be. Right. And it is not Lindemans. Mm -hmm. However, Lindemans makes good beer. Lindemans makes fantastic beers. Their frambos is not one of them, but their frambos is about. 60% overfruited. Mm -hmm. um, but their Pesh is amazing. I think they're... Uh, their Creek? Yeah. Oh, God. Their Cassis. Mm -hmm. Even their Poem, and especially their, their Cuvée, their, yeah. the Straight Lambic. Wonderful. They make good beers. But some of the fruited beers are just too fruited. Right. This is very in your face. I like it. It's, uh, it's not afraid to be what it is. I mean, if I was smelling this blind, I would say, oh, it's a Cantillon. It has that big... Belgian, you got a spider crawling out right in front of your face. Look at that. Okay, <laughs> put the spider on the desk, and there we go. Spiders are good, good pets to have. Yes, they kill all the, the other new nuisances in the basement. Right. It embraces the tart side of raspberry. I mean, so many framboise is uh, too too fruity and too too sweet and jammy. This uh, really embraces the oh tart side of it. God, it's fantastic. took a sip. It, it is... Jam. I mean, you said other ones are too jammy. This one reminds me of jam. It's so potent. <laughs> it reminds me of... It is tart, but it reminds me of a raspberry jam more so than any other lambic that I can think of, which has a lot more malty or wheaty characters to it. This one has just this potent fruit that's not cloying and sweet. I love it. It's... Oh my God, it's awesome. <laughs> It's almost like the tart side of the raspberry, though. If there was such a thing as raspberry marmalade with that... Mm. Oh, yeah. Yep. It would really have that, that, that really kind of almost tart and bitter side with, of with, it. With the skins and right, still right. there. Like a rough-pressed raspberry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that's awesome. Freaking McKellar. So McKellar, most people will know this that are listening still, 
Let me turn the label back around since I have the option of changing the label however <laughs> I want. Denmark. They are from Denmark. However, this is product of Belgium. Hmm. Brewed and bottled by McKellar at De Pro Browsery Lockery Hoofsies, Belgium. You know. You say it better. No, I don't. You think I don't know how to pronounce things. You say I don't know how to pronounce these things. You say it Belgium by McKellar at De Pro Browsery well, Christy, he, he fit Belgium. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. It's a Shelton so, Brothers. It's almost like a collaboration from McKellar and uh, the Proof. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. Um, product of Belgium, imported by Shelton, like you said, Belgian Massachusetts. Hmm. I was only a little worried about it because of the green bottle. But it's not a hoppy beer, right? It so, doesn't matter. Saison de Pont isn't a hoppy beer. And it gets You're right. Hell. You are right. Um... 7.7, which is kind of on the moderately high side mm-hmm. for a, a lambic, raspberry lambic. Asian wine barrels. We don't know anything about the wine barrels, but this beer. This is the lambic that... that so you paid fourteen ninety nine for a 11-ounce uh, or so bottle yes. of this beer? Well bought. 12.2. Well bought. 12.7. This is very good. This is the Lambic that you wish Frambos was, right? This is right. You wish that, uh, this is the Lambic I wish every Frambos would be. Yeah. This is, uh, it, it's got the wonderful raspberry flavor without fe- feeling medicinal. It has um, to just a slight bit of, you know, like old hoppy bitterness to just barely make it so it's, so it's not overwhelmingly really sweet. It has uh, lots of great wild character that just deepens the beer and gives it more complexity and gives it a, you know, a more grounded mm-hmm. uh, approach as opposed to just sweet. It's beautifully done. Beautifully. Do, do we have to write these beers? We have to. That's our thing. Damn it. Fuck you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're so, so we're done reviewing the beers. We got five amazing beers here. Yep. Yep. That we need. I just realized how slurry I am right now. Let, let's be clear. I mean, we say this on a, on a bunch of shows, but this more than nearly any other show we've done. They these all could be number one. These all are fantastic beers with very few faults. I. I Thank you, Greg. I could not think of a better 8th anniversary show. I mean, like you said, there's... On any given Sunday, there could this could be the... You know, any one of these beers could be the best beer. I mean, there are... It depends on how you slice the ranking, right? Like, oh, if I look at it this way, beer 1 is the best. You mm-hmm. look at it this way, 2 is the best, 3, 4, 5. You know, every beer could be the best beer. There, there's not. I'm not even like playing it out, pretending that one of these beers is almost as good as the others. All amazing. It's almost like a five course beer dinner, mm-hmm. each one of which could be the top of its uh, category. So you might have. So you go, Greg, since you you're requiring that I figure this shit well, out. Well, well, like I said, I mean, these, these are gold medal beers. These are, you know, we're, we're judging. Some of the best of the best, and we're pitting the best of the best against each other, and someone's got to lose, and that's just 
the nature of, of the game. The, the Olympics is the best of the best competing. And they're all amazing, but mm, someone's got to lose. Who loses? Who loses? Where did notepad go? I have a notepad. I know, but there should be more than one notepad here. Where the hell did they go? Damn kids. Right here? There we go. Thank okay. you. All right, so my number five here. Let's go from the bottom. <laughs> Such as it is. Hard luck loser, I sounds like, huh? <laughs> uh, phew. Okay, so I'm going to put the Yeti as, as my last one. And I... I I think the only reason was because it was a little more simplistic than the other beers. Just slightly. It, it, the complexity was all added to the adjuncts. And it, it... So you could kind of taste that it was sort of a bunch of separate things coming together as opposed to a more simplistic thing that then cre that creates wonderful things out of spontaneity. It's almost like it was, in fact, the sum of its parts. Yes. Maybe not more so than, but but it was the sum of its parts. Yes, and the sum, and it, it's a wonderfully large sum, but it 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 was the sum of its parts and didn't didn't really aspire to be more, and it, and it was, and it was, I think a little a little hard to penetrate at first because it was so dark and it wasn't. It, it could have it could have benefited from being slightly sweeter in this flight, anyway. It could have benefited a bit from being slightly okay. more sweet. All right. Uh, my number fourth, and this is I, I, I didn't want to rate this far, this, this down, but I think it, it, it only suffers because of a slight bit of, of bitterness and and, and and hit hit at the end, which is the JW Lee's. I think that the flavor is is amazing, and then there's a slight acridness that comes out of it. So, I. I think it's amazing, but the other ones had a little bit more to go for. My number three beer is the Oro de Calabaza. I really love this beer a lot. I think this I is like oh god, this is a wonderful beer. The tropical fruits are amazing. The the, the flavors that come from it are just beautiful and, and and delicious and wonderful. A little over... There's a rush from downstairs, you know, right? Oh. Sorry about that. I want to make sure Rex didn't... <laughs> Rex is getting, going to the restroom. It's a little, a little over bready. Now, it could... It's just this batch. I mean, another batch would, might not be as bready. I think it's a little over bready... Compared to the other stuff, mm -hmm. doesn't quite work. Number two, Jolly Pumpkin Beard of Mars. I'm, I'm happy. I was ready to smack you in the face, man. <laughs> I, I love the Beard of Mars. I think the Beard of Mars is one of the most wonderful beers I've ever had and continues to be the most wonderful beers I've ever had. But you picked a lineup tonight that found a better beer. I picked a lineup tonight that, in 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 terms of the lineup and in terms of the, of of how we went and what we ended up on, we ended up on a beer that satisfied me even more than the beer to Mars did. That we ended up 
with that McKellar. And then this McKellar is just fantastic. It is a scrumptious, beautiful scallop of a beer, right? I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, you know, not spoil things, but you are so spot on. The McKellar Frambos is absurd in how good it is. It's ridiculous how good the McKellar is. Yeah. So I guess I'm going top to bottom, right? Since I already spoiled my number one beer. The McKellar Frambos is what I wish every Frambos could be. And there's no gimmick. There is no raspberry fruitiness. It's There's more Lambic in it than raspberry. The Lambic is fantastic. It was a collaboration from McKellar and that brew couldn't pronounce. <laughs> and, um, oh my God. So, number two. Number two is a little tough. I am going to put the Leg of Woolen uh, from J.W. Lee's number two. It was so scrumptious. Tastes a lot. I mean, if there's anything wrong with it, it didn't taste enough like beer. It tasted too much like the barrel it came mm. from. Number three is the Beer to Mars from Jolly Pumpkin. It was wonderful. It was different from what I remember what Jolly Pumpkin's Beer to Mars could be. But it was it was different and, and wonderful in its own right. It's it's a living all that, thing, like you said, yeah. All that dark fruits. Uh, Oro number four. I loved the breadth. I loved all the, the tropical fruits, and then the Yeti light grade. Hard luck loser number five. Rex, what do you think? Well, again, not to sound like a broken record, but any one of these could be a number one on on a, any given night. Um, that being said, I'll have to say I'll go with number five as the uh, Chocolate Oak Aged Yeti. I think it was fantastic. Um, if anything, I'd have to say that the uh, the chocolate and fig really kind of came across. And um, at the end of the day, wonderful beer, but a little bit, uh, I'll call it two and three quarters dimensional. Um I can see that. Yeah. On on, on my number four list again. I'm again. I'm being super overcritical here. But uh, but well, the, one second. Jeff, uh, Jeff needs to. Let me ask you a story. You can finish your review. <laughs> Sorry. Jeff has an emergency. Okay. All right. Back to your right. saying. If I had to say, my number four would be the uh, the uh, Harvest Lees. Um, Again, I'm a big fan of scotch. I love the uh, Glenmorangie and the port barrels. So really, um, I really can't uh, can't fault that too much for being what it is. It's a wonderful blend of, of a nice uh, port finished scotch with uh, with a little bit of barley wine on top of it. Third, uh, the Oro, fantastic, very very clean, very bright. Uh, Wonderful blend. Uh, number two, the uh, the Demars beer Demars was uh, nicely fruity, um, very well balanced is what I would say about that. And at the end of the day, um, I'm a big fan of lambic when it really is a lambic. Mm -hmm. And too many people think of a lambic as something that's really much more dessert than beer. Yeah. But this one is really much more beer than dessert. And it is really all about what a lambic should be. 
having made a few myself and, and really strive to, to be what an angry, surly, sour lambic mm -hmm. should be with the right mix of, of raspberry, the framboise is fantastic. It's, I have to tip my hat to them. It's just uh, an amazing sort of revelation of a beer that I am... It's a privilege to, to be able to drink something like that. I mean, that's right. that that that's the amazing thing about it is that you feel like this is you you have it. You're honored to be able to have a chance to drink some. Right. That's where that's where it falls. And so we all agree, uh, McKellar number one, and, and the other we're, we're close on the other one. So I thought I was honored to drink the Legavulin, and then I tasted the McKellar. It's like. Boom! It's like, wow! So, yeah, amazing. That is uh, Craft Beer and Beer of the Year at this point. It's absurd. That was quite a beer. So we, and, and we hope that was quite a show for you. We will be back with a regular show in uh, three weeks, unless something, we may, um, may stuff one in there. See what happens. We'll see. Well, uh, next week... On the regular scheduled time, you'll hear a uh, flying dog huffs uh, thing that we do for Mr. Craft Beer Week. That's so need to get out posted. Then it's come safer madness. So. Yeah, so expect a lot of stuff coming in. But uh, you hope you enjoyed this uh, special anniversary, prime, beautiful episode. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. You can visit. You can contact me on Twitter at Jeff Bear. Me at CBR Greg. You know on Twitter, right Rex? No, I am a little bit, but a little uh, bit. Okay. Uh, he's I'll on, defer to you, Greg. He's on Twitter okay. a little bit. We got Google Plus. We got uh, Craft Beer Radio. We got uh, Facebook, the Craft Beer Radio, and all that other stuff. Beer at craftbeerradio.com. If you still use a thing called email, who uses that? Right. Thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll see you again next time.